Hello everyone, welcome to the Micron Podcast. I'm Sean Akimbalo, your host. This podcast is designed to let everyone have a say in local and global issues, especially as it relates to them. It is different and independent of my every weekday show, Politics Today, and Weekend Sunday Politics on Channels Television. Now, let me ask the question before we take a deep dive into the topic of today, which I'm very passionate about. And as soon as I got the bug of that uh, conversation or the or, or the matter of that is up for conversation tonight, I couldn't let my eyes of it. But the question here is, how are you all coping amidst these crazy increase in food prices? If you complain before buying an item today, if you're buying same item tomorrow, there would have been a sharp increase. Now, prices of gari, yam, rice, beans, oil, palm oil, pepper, maize, onion, noodles, sugar, name it, keeps jumping uncontrollably. The situation is serious. So here are some background to this situation. The United Nations says 46 million people in Africa experience hunger in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. That is the highest share of any continent in the world. According to the IMF, staple food prices in Africa surged by an average of 23.9% in 2020 and 2022. This as COVID-19 climate change. And now, the Ukraine-Russia war written all over it. Now, in fact, the Ukraine-Russian war has done a more devastating blow to the situation of food insecurity in Africa and in Nigeria. On the show today, we are hoping to provide insight into how Africa can manage the complex landscape of global crises such as the Russia-Ukraine invasion, the climate change and food security. How can African nations address the critical issues of the looming food crisis without losing their voices or stature on the global stage? The question is, are the, is the African voice being silenced in the midst of what is more devastating for them, perhaps, more than any part of the world? Are we even being given a voice where it matters in the issues of global conflict and peace that affect the livelihood and the well-being of our people? What are the strategies to strengthen responses to food crisis, particularly in the context of disrupted global supply chains due to global conflict? How can Africa navigate these external shocks without being seen as a lesser continent? Again, I ask, is a hunger crisis looming? Before I get into it, don't be one of those who say, what is our problem with uh, these? Uh, <laughs> there is a major problem. Don't forget. In the Middle East, there are issues and it's affecting price of crude oil. Price of crude oil is affecting the price of petrol. Price of petrol is affecting the price of food on your table and the, the money in your pocket. We're not, we cannot be insulated or isolated from the global issues which have direct impact on our economy, on our lives and our livelihoods. So, the Ukraine-Russian war, the African, the role of African leaders and Africans in it is very crucial. And there is COP28. There is a London 
Security Summit. But a bigger question here is, and let me show you this. President Balatinobu recently declared a state of emergency on food security in Nigeria. And there are all the startling and very mind-boggling statistics that I will be showing in the course of this conversation, such as some of the position of the Red Cross, for example, on the state of food crisis in Nigeria, in Africa, what we must do urgently. And tonight, it's going to be a sharp, precise, straightforward uh, conversation. I mean, we unusually do not have this kind of conversation because our conversation are usually tilted towards politics. But today, I looked at it and I said, this conversation is critical and necessary for all of us. If we don't take action now, we are in a big trouble. I have a lineup of strong voices, those who will be bringing their perspectives into this conversation, and I'm hoping to hear your own response, and let's get talking, because they're watching, those who will take action, those who will make impactful decisions on our lives in Africa and in Nigeria. So tonight, one person here has a huge knowledge about uh, food, farming, agriculture in Nigeria is Mr. Roti Miolawale, who is the founder and CEO of JR Farms. Thank you so much, uh, Roti, for joining us on the podcast today. Much uh, for inviting me. Thank yeah. you. And I also have with us Dr. Dikpo Awojide, uh, Ogbeni Dikpo, uh, as it's popularly called. He's a scholar, uh, he's a transformation coach, and of course, He's a strategist uh, who understands global uh, politics. Thank you so much, uh, Ogbeni Dupo, for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jill. I appreciate it. And I have with me uh, a lawyer and a global security analyst, uh, Mr. Bulama Bukati, who joins us virtually from London also. Thank you so much, Mr. Bukati, for joining us. Thank you, Sheon. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much indeed. So let me go around the room and quickly. Um, Mr. Bukati, I read your piece. And interestingly, that piece is very related to our conversation today. I got it very late. I couldn't uh, digest everything on that piece. But let me begin the conversation with you. Um, is Africa being silenced? Are we being reduced in the global conversation, especially, for example, the Russia-Ukraine war and a lot of Nigerians who are watching or who are listening tonight might be saying, what is our business with that? Can we be pessimistic? Can we be ignorant of that kind of issue? How impactful is that conflict to a Nigerian? Uh, look, uh, the Russian-Ukraine war uh, is directly, uh, directly affects Nigerians and other Africans. Um, and we cannot afford to be silent or to... Uh, I mean, uh, assume that it doesn't affect us and therefore we, we have no stake in it. Uh, it affects us in at least uh, three main ways. Number one is the question of the economy. Uh, it impacts us in the area of agriculture and steel in particular, and I know experts uh, would go into that. It also affects us in the area of security because, uh, as you said, in our paper, one of the uh, issues we discuss is how Russia is looking at Africa as the second war front. 
Uh, we know that the global power competition between Russia and the West and the war in Ukraine is playing a part, uh, is playing out in Africa, and therefore it does affect us in that way. But also uh, in the way uh, of, uh, uh, it affects us when it comes to energy and infrastructure, because China and the West have been, uh, or had been a big player, and therefore uh, you could say it affects our economy, it affects our security, uh, and it also affects us in the sense of our global diplomatic uh, stance when it comes to certain issues, including the war in, in Russia. And of course, uh, this relationship of the West and its uh, power competition playing out in Africa in terms of a proxy war did not start now. But we know that with the invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia in February last year, uh, there were increased sanctions and increased uh, tensions in the global uh, stage, and that has translated itself in Africa. And it has also taken attention away from some issues that affect Africa, things like climate change, like extremist uh, violence on the continent, and stuff like that, which were top on the global agenda, but with the war in Ukraine, they got rele relegated to the bottom of the agenda, and therefore uh, those groups or issues continue to fester and metastasize uh, on the African continent. So I would say this war uh, affects us both directly and indirectly, and we cannot afford to be silent or just say it doesn't affect us. It does affect us and each and every one of us now see them, uh, see it in our pockets and in our shopping lists. Let me get to uh, uh, Ms. Uh, Dr. Dikwa Iwujire, if you can give us an understanding from your own point of view on a global scale. Um, and and I, I'll read out to you what, uh, for example, um, the, um, the, the Red Cross uh, said about the food crisis, uh, a direct impact. And we know the role Russia play economically uh, in terms of energy, in terms of even food and all other view and what this means for the rest of the world and how it directly impacts. Do you have anything to add, for example, on the impact? I mean, uh, Mr. Bukati has laid a foundation on how Africa is relevant in the conversation. And, uh, for example, the Nigerian Red Cross Society says the rising number of people who are food insecure is a threat to the Nigeria's peace and stability. Dr. Awujide. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Sheon. Let me let me start by saying that um of course we, we know that the world is a global village. And you know, whatever happens in one part of the world, you know, usually than not, you know, has impact directly or indirectly, you know, um across across the rest of the world. Um COVID-19 being a very um, you know, recent example that we can use the Russian versus Ukrainian war. Recently, there's unrest in the Middle East. Um, um, there's crisis in Sudan, um, you know, which is not being spoken about as much as the conflict in the Middle East and the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Um, you know, there are other issues, you know, across the African continent, you know, in Mali, in Libya, you know, a, a couple of coups have happened, you know, across African, you know, across the African continent, you know, and all of this 
actually impacts on the entire African continent. All of these issues, you know, directly or indirectly impacts, you know, on on Nigeria. Um, I mean, what I think, where, where I think we need to go from here is, you know, I mean, the European Union have an African strategy. The USA, you know, have an African strategy. A lot of the European countries, you know, have independent African strategies. You know, everyone is trying to take advantage of, you know, the the, the resources, the natural resources that we have, you know, all across Africa. It is now up to us as a continent. It is up to us as a people, you know, to now have our own dedicated strategy, our own, you know, African continent and pursue our goals and objectives, you know, as efficiently and as effectively as possible. Uh, let me let me, let me go to Rotimi, uh, Mister Mr. Rotimi. Give us an understanding, and you have the numbers in terms of what Gary used to be the cost, uh, the price of Gary, the, the price of yam, and in all of these, a lot of people will say that we hardly produce anything in this country. We our reliance on uh, on uh, imported foods and uh, foreign items is made things even worse, and that's why. A Ukrainian, uh, Russian-Ukraine war uh, is, go, is, is going to be having uh, an impactful or a, 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 a big blow on uh, on our food price, on uh, the price of commodity here in Nigeria. But you as an owner and as a CEO of a farm, you produce food every day. How bad are things right now? And I'll come to the question to ask you, are we in a hunger crisis or is it looming? or we are in, right in the middle of a food crisis. The president declared a state of emergency, so we know that we have a problem on our hands, but we would like to know after this whether or not the problem is so deep. But give us an understanding of how impactful is a crisis on Nigerian food situation. Yeah, uh, thank you one more time, uh, Sean, for the invitation. Uh, I would first say that... Um, the question should not be that are we in a food food crisis i think the food crisis started a long time the question should be that what depth are we or what point of the food crisis are we uh, at the moment and um to, to give a perspective you know the food system is interconnected with different uh sector we i can call it a cross-sectoral uh, uh, uh sector you know it's a sector that is connected to other sectors for example it's connected to energy it's connected to logistics it's connected to infrastructure etc uh, a lot of times we talk about this import of food, like you have said, uh, people think, of course, we depend a lot of, we import a lot of food into Nigeria and into Africa, of course. But a lot of uh, people go on the street, uh, for example, online, they say, oh, no, dollar is driving the cost of food, but not necessarily. Also, there are a lot of uh, silent drivers of food costs in Nigeria that nobody's talking about, particularly, for example, the, the infrastructure deficit. And I'll take, for example, the Oyogumosho Road, which I'm very I'm very familiar with, and I move trucks through that road. It's it's a less it's a it's a road that is less than fifty kilometers, and this road has remained the same way for more than thirty years. I mean, I ply that road like every month or every two months, and even in the last uh, few weeks, I still ply the road, and it was blocked end to end. You have trucks sleeping on this road for days i mean there's a friend of mine who has a chinchin project in lagos she was moving chinchin to abuja through this road and her truck was on the road for seven solid days 
just for less than 50 kilometers. Now she's got the cost of logistics has gone up. She's going to transfer this cost, of course, to the to the consumer, to the end user. So you see what the, what the, the issues driving the cost. A journey of less than one hour becomes a journey of seven days. So infrastructural deficit is there, not necessarily the issue of import alone. Also, you have insecurity. You know, there was a time in the depth of the previous administration. There was a time for seven solid months I could not go to the factory. Mm. I mean, because wow. we were. In fact, we had WhatsApp groups for ourselves in the agri value chain. If you're operating in this part of your state, we have a WhatsApp group. So we are texting ourselves, oh, there was kidnapping in this area yesterday. Don't go there. Oh, there was kidnapping earlier. We don't go there. So my own factory is close to the popular uh, hotelier in Ogbomosho that was killed. My factory is just along that line. Actually, where the hotelier and the Lautech student were dumped by the kidnappers is just next to, my, to the village where my factory is. So... We could not go to the factory for about seven months because uh, here and there you were hearing rumors and then everything became complicated. Farmers left their farms. I mean, when I say farmers, I'm, I do not mean people like us who come from Lagos or Abuja to go into the interiors. I mean, people live in the villages because they were also being killed and attacked by bandits and others. So they left the farms. I mean, cassava were left there to be, to be messed up, destroyed on the farm. Maize were left on the farm. They, they got rotten, eaten by birds and monkeys. So, I mean, this is the real thing. And I tell a lot of people that uh, I think far back as 2016, I've been saying that we are in a deep mess as a country when it comes to food, because at that point, the insecurity was brewing. And this thing is even underreported. There are many cases of colleagues in the industry who were kidnapped that never made it to the news. <laughs> that never made it to the news. There are many cases of farms that were destroyed and never made it to the news and will never make it to the news, by the way. You know, so I'm talking from experience and you see these problems. And then in Lagos, everybody's shouting, all oh, the prices of food is high. We are now underproducing. And then we have also relied on the continent heavily on smallholder farmers, which is irresponsible of us. About eight, over 60% over 60 of food market in the U.S., is from commercial farmers. And these commercial farms, which have over $1 million of revenue, represent only 4% of farmers in the US. Here in Africa, we have 80% of food pro produced by smallholder farmers. It's never going to work. These are farmers who have uh, one plot, two plots behind their houses or in their villages. And those are the ones we rely on. Now, when COVID came, we saw that these farmers are not resilient. I could move around during COVID. I had I have a car. I can move around from city to city. I was moving. I had my pass. But these farmers could not move. They could not move. They, they, are, they don't have any social protection. We need commercial farms. The more we continue to rely on smallholder farmers, mm. we cannot go far. And uh, I will like Mr. Bukati, <laughs> because you are a global affairs uh, uh, expert. And whether or not Mr. Putin of Russia is a bad man. Whether or not Mr. Putin is being is playing a bad boy role because of some of the direct impact. And I, I, I mean, I could share a few documents as to the enormous impact of what that conflict is. There are those who believe that about 350 million people are being fed by the agricultural export, I mean, exploit of Ukraine. And since that war started, that has had a huge impact and whether or not uh, Mr. Putin needs to put in, be put in check, you will get us into that conversation before we close. But let me let me bring in a few people and I see a few hands, but I'd like you to help me go straight to the point. Just 30 seconds. 
punch your uh, your intervention. Let me begin with Dr. Femi Yekini. Uh, your mic is on, Dr. Femi Yekini. All right, good evening, Shane. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Please go ahead. All right, thank you. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll just try to go straight to the point. Uh, to the point. First of all, I want to say that we we need to stop really burdening ourselves about what is happening internationally between these superpowers, because honestly, I don't think there's anything we really can do about it. And if African leaders will continue to play the guinea pig and go for all these conferences, you know. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Uh, from uh, one of the things that caught my eyes earlier in the in the day, in the week, then in fact, a very uh, topical political issue that I wanted to engage on, but I thought this is very important. It might not be political, but it has a very strong implication on our politics. And I thought that, look, this kind of issue, sometimes we need to bring it up because it affects all of us. And we need to be able to speak up about some of this matter. In fact, next weekend on this podcast, I have a very special conversation, a very special one-on-one -on -one that all of you will like and you will thank me for it when we bring it on for you. It's special, you need to look out for it. We'll bring it on for you. But there you have it, everyone. Uh, I was angered by what is happening with the Ukraine, uh, the Russian and Ukraine war, and how much of a blow Russia is doing uh, with some of the impacts the action is making on food insecurity across the globe, especially as this affects us, Africa and in Nigeria. Doing further research, I saw how impactful this is also uh, is on uh, uh, the role that our leaders in Africa, in Nigeria, will be playing at COP28. When they go there, what should they be talking about? In the London Summit on Food Security, what should they be looking at? So that's why we brought this conversation. But government needs to stop playing leap service and start making deliberate a move towards solving the raging food crisis through agriculture. African leaders must sit on the table with other global leaders with strategies on how to solve problems rather than begging for aid. Nigeria relies on 10 billion US dollars of imports to meet its food and agricultural production shortfalls, mostly with rice, poultry, fish, food services, and consumer-oriented foods. Europe, Asia, the United States, South America, and South Africa are major sources for agricultural imports. Well, the global crisis, like the Russia-Ukraine war, will continue to have a huge effect on Africa if the continent continues to depend on the rest of the world for every little thing. Regional integration, investment in security, infrastructure development, and other solutions have also been proffered as a way to fight hunger to its knees. A hungry man is not a free man, they say, and this we must bear in mind. Thank you all for being part of this important conversation. And that's our show for today, everyone. Many thanks for watching this podcast. I'm Shoma Kimbale. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast with Shayono Kimbaloi.